BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The steal by Iverson, posting it in! He won it! Wow. He won the game! Being there to say absolutely no way from Scott. Yeah, do you love this game? Oh yes, it is Sixers Talk brought to you by Wilmington University. Wilm, you works the three amigos with you once again. Minus the sombreros, it's Danny Pavel's Paul Hudrick, the level-headed one, our esteemed producer and co-host Ben Barry. Gentlemen, happy to be with you once again. Our, our double dose of uh, weekly cathar- cathar- catharticism. What? What? Can you help me with that? <laughs> Struggling out the gate already. All right, yeah, cathartic, cathartic nature. It, it is a very calming podcast, basically, because it just brings us a little bit of normalcy, a little bit of one step closer to the NBA coming back. Uh, we have an interview with Joel Embiid that Mark Zumoff did. And one thing that excites me about that, which you will hear from the pot here a bit later, uh, well, you will not be able to – well, you'll be able to see it if you're watching on YouTube. But Joel's at the practice facility with Zumoff interviewing him. Like, and he's just, like, finishing a workout or mid-workout or what have you. So that's just really encouraging for me personally. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Well, let, let's tie a bow on this 83 championship team, the Sixers – for all intents and, pur- intents and purposes, are champions again as we have relived this series over the weekend. Uh, Paul, uh, you have any takeaways? Have you have kind of like, you know, uh, is I, I really, I, you know, truth be told, have been interested in your perspective because you mentioned how young you were when it happened, uh, not knowing about Andrew well, Tony. I didn't that, exist when it happened. <laughs> well, I, well, you weren't even born '83. No. Oh, what are you? '85. What are you? '85. 85, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, well, you, you weren't even born when it happened. I'm just interested to see your perspective. Like, how, like, I, I actually, that's like my first, like, hoops memory. Like, my dad with the broom on Broad Street because they swept the Lakers. But I'm curious how you felt, you know, going through this nostalgia and this writing about it and, you know, looking at these interviews and, and, and whatnot. I felt a little jealous, to be honest with you, just <laughs> watching that series, like, watching that team, man. They were so fun. Like, they beat the Showtime Lakers at their own game. Like, they ran up and down the floor. They played defense. They hustled. Like, it wasn't just stars. Those stars played. Like, Dr. J played hard. Moses Malone played hard. Bobby Jones played hard. Mo Cheeks. Like, they, it wasn't just a, a collection of talent. Like, that was a basketball team you saw. And I think that was part of the, the, my biggest takeaways. And then the other thing is, and I, I just wrote something yesterday about it, Man, that Moses Malone trade, the trade that they made trading him to the Bullets, that should have never freaking happened. They should have never traded the number one overall pick for Roy Hinson. I just think about what could have been with that team if Andrew Tony stays healthy and if they don't make those moves. You're going into the 90s possibly with, with Andrew Tony, Charles Barkley, and Brad Doherty. And, you know, Moses gets to kind of ride off into the sunset and he doesn't, isn't like basically pushed out and that that's my biggest takeaway is man like what as great as it was and I can't help but think about what could have been if they had just let that team ride it out a little bit longer you know Dr. J didn't have help in his last year I mean this last season they got swept I think by the Knicks uh, or maybe it was the Bucks I can't remember in the first round 
and he was done. That was his career. So I would have loved to see him get Moses for one more season for his last year, got his own last dance. That's, that's my biggest takeaway is as great as it was to see, I wish there would have been more. I think one of the things, not to cut you off then, but like they trailed at halftime of every game that they won at that championship series. Like the, they should have won more. It just uh, – like, that was like a dynasty in the making there. Like, 80, 82, 83, uh, you know, real big letdown the next year in 84. Like, I just – it was just that, that little – it was just there for the taking. Obviously, Boston was a huge, um, you know, adversary, um, uh, somebody who they, you know, constantly battled with in historic fashion. Uh, that, that's where, of course, this sign came, came from. Uh, the BLA sign came from Boston, of course. Um, don't be jealous, guys, of my BLA sign. Uh, I got that when I when Doc gave me the jersey back in '83. He gave me the jersey and the BLA wow. sign. But yeah, so <laughs> wow, when Doc gave me the jersey. <laughs> but uh, I, I just, it just, oh man, I just, um, you know, so much has been made about that early '80s time with the Flyers fighting for Stanley Cups, the Phillies winning the World Series, the Sixers as the champions of 83. Just, there's just something there that could have just been uh, – it just was a missed opportunity, man. It kind of – bittersweet at the same time. And the Eagles went to a Super Bowl a couple oh, yeah. years before that, too. Don't Delicious. forget that. Yeah, so, so my takeaway is, like, man, I'm really jealous of everyone that got to watch that team, that everyone that got yeah. to watch a championship. You can like, see the vibe in the stands. You, the vibe you, was crazy. You see the energy. You see, like, and, like, me watching it now, like, because I wasn't alive, I don't get the same feeling as I've watched a game today where I'm like, yo, let's go. I know they're going to win. So I'm just enjoying it. I don't get any – I'm not anxious at all. I'm not like, yo, they got to come at it because I know the outcome. So I'm thankful I was able to relive it. I want a championship to come back to this city ASAP. But I can't complain too much because I got a friend that's a Knicks fan. That's my <laughs> takeaway. <laughs> right. I mean, nobody wants to be a Knicks fan right now. But I, you know what? Um, I don't know, man. I, I feel like a basketball championship. The football, obviously, we, it was just so long coming. You know, so much has been made about that, the jokes and everything else. Uh, people don't joke the same about the Sixers. I think what it is for me, I think that the basketball championship would be them recapturing some of the lore of the team. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they're one of the, the most storied franchises in NBA history, but I think it's a, they're a little underrated because they don't have the championships to, to, to show for, to stack up against like the Lakers and the Celtics, uh, the Spurs, you know, those other teams who have had so much success. So, uh, I think that's that's the thing that for me, I just want that mm, that little extra vat- gratification. Yeah, it, it, it's so tough because like like I alluded to, like they make those moves and they're really bad. And they're not like for Ben and I growing up, like we saw a lot of re- like we grew up with terrible basketball. Like quite frankly, just bad teams, many many bad teams. You know, they trade <laughs> Barkley, and it's just dark. It's dark until they get out. Were they bad, Paul? Paul, were yeah, they bad? Dude, it was serious, like. <laughs> It's, it's, it's astonishing that I'm sitting here wanting to talk about basketball, seeing what I had seen in my childhood. Like, thank you, Allen Iverson, or else I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be sitting here because I probably wouldn't have cared about basketball as much. Baseball was my first love because I fell in love with the 93 Phillies. Uh, but basketball, the Sixers in 93, 
What, am I rooting for Tim Perry? Like, what are we doing right. here? Like, that, I think that's why my son is an OKC fan, a Russell Westbrook fan. Like, who, who he grew up watching those process guy. Like, I can't get him to back Tony Roten. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sorry. No, I mean, I, at least I came back around. I mean, <laughs> no, because like, that's – it was just – it was a lot of bad basketball to watch for that time. And, that, and I think that's part of the reason why maybe the Sixers, other than what you said, the obvious, the championships – that's part of it, too, is that they just had these big swoons with the 90s, and then they were so mediocre even before the process. And you know what I mean? And now they're kind of back up in that level. But there's just been so many lean years and so many bad years that, you know, that maybe Lakers fans, Celtics fans didn't have to do go through nearly as much as Sixers fans did. So I think that's another part of the reason. But we also – like that ESPN, uh, they, they did those rankings, the 74 greatest players of all time. Yo, the Sixers are well represented on that list and pretty damn high on that list. So this is a, a rich, a, a, a franchise rich in history and rich in tradition. It's just, it's just gotten back to, to I mean, where, let's be real. This is what, they went back-to-back 50-win seasons. They hadn't done that since the 80s. So that, like, that, there's just been such a lull and we're finally starting, starting to see good basketball again. Yeah, such a lull finally starting to see good basketball again. And it's real hard to tell kids, hey, you should care about this team when they're just putting out some bad, some bad competition, a bad product. And when we have a somewhat decent product, but we know it can be better, there was years when we were sold on people as the next big thing, and they weren't. Like, I remember being an intern here 10 years ago, and, like, we were told so much about Iguodala when I was in high school, like how great he was going to be. I remember uh, Daily News Live had a segment where they would post a picture and the fans were catching it. And it was an Iguodala picture, and it was someone sent in, not the real AI. But when he was drafted, it was the AI too. Yes, I see you laughing. Oh, but, yeah, that's like that's what we have to unfair. deal with. Yeah, unfair it's unfair to him. Right? It's unfair yeah. to the fans, like the expectations. He's a very solid player. We've seen that. Like, he's a solid role player. You can't say he's the guy that's going to lead us to a championship. And that's what teams like for the, a lot of my life, what the Sixers have done, and teams that haven't been successful do. They put expectations on the fans, and they put it all on a player's shoulders that shouldn't have it. And unfortunately, you got stuck with some just bad teams to watch. Danny, that's how your son becomes an OKC fan. He's like, why would I want to root for this? At least OKC, like they're fun. They're young. They ran up and down court. You want to watch that. You didn't want to watch the Mavericks blowing up, an old Mavericks team blowing up the Sixers 70 to 20 at halftime. Why? <laughs> I was on the airplane for that. And, like, the guy was like, oh, you like basketball. Where are you from? A straight lie that said I was from Connecticut. I didn't want to know. Oh, no. <laughs> Yo, oh, wait, real no. quick, Ben. I, I want to get to that because I remember that Mavericks game you're talking about. I remember that vividly. But here's what I want. I want Danny. Uh, what was your take on Michael Car- Michael Carter Williams back in the day? Oh, you gonna do that? That's what you want to do? Well, what was your take? What was your take? Who uh, rookie of the year? Michael Carter Williams. Uh, you know Carter anybody Williams, else named that? <laughs> I was. A, uh, I, I thought he had a lot of potential. I thought he might be the next Jason Kidd. I thought he had the triple doubleness. The you know court vision. I thought he had uh, some possible all-star characteristics and I, I don't know what happened man uh I'm, something I'm happened man, with that that hinky system i i, I remember no, when he stop, went to the bucks stop it. 
I remember when he went to the Bucks, his dad started chirping about how he was, you know, hiding injuries and not really telling the team he was hurt, but was playing through it. And if he, y'all remember that? You know, I think something was up with that, man. That's, that's my honest opinion. Yeah, well, because, you know, he's, he's done so well since he left here. So, obviously, it was the Sixers. He fault. was a key piece in Chicago. He was a key piece. Uh, for what? A key piece of Chicago no. team that won, what, 30 games? Yes, I just found out he was in the what? league a couple of weeks ago. I forgot he was still in the, the league. Magic. No, Danny. He was good with the no, magic. Danny. He was getting Danny. 10 days well with the, the magic. magic. <laughs> Danny, take your cape off for Michael Carter Williams. The listeners can't tell, and those people watching on YouTube can't tell because the camera's only focused on you. You was up here standing for MCW. I walked away from the camera. Like, I was like, I can't take it. <laughs> uh, no, man. It, it was a fun rookie year. That's all I can say. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk right now. I, I saw a post about uh, Bob Dandridge uh, the other day. A uh, guy with the Milwaukee Bucks uh, won a titles with Kareem and was like the third string, third string, third fiddle to uh, Lou Alcindor, Oscar Robertson, and, and Bob Dandridge. Uh, just, just criminally underrated NBA history. And we bump into Andrew Tony here with this 83 team, just criminally undergraded. You know, take it with a grain of salt if you want some of the things that his teammates said about him because they were his teammates. But every word off of their lips, these are also Hall of Famers saying he would have been a Hall of Famer had he been healthy. So Paul's article is still up on the website, a great read if you want to you know, go down memory lane and really just get the full money on what Andrew Tony would have been and what he was. But – it leads to an interesting topic because the comparisons we've heard about him, we heard, uh, Billy Cunningham mentioned that he would compare him to Steph Curry, maybe not, not shoot at such a uh, significant percentage from behind the arc, but that same type of off the dribble shoot from way out uh, accuracy uh, on the outside, which leads us to the idea of like, which other player do we think might have a chance to thrive in this type of NBA uh, or, or shoot, you know, uh, Steph Curry style percentage from the outside or be as successful with the long ball as like Harden or, or what have you. So what older Sixers player do you think would, other than Andrew Tony, let's say, would, would play well in this new era? Ben, let's, let's hear yours off the top. I'm going with my main man that we tried to get on a podcast, Hershey Hawkins. Oh! Yes. That's a good one. Was, yeah, really Hershey Hawkins. One. Yes. Shot 40% every year he's with the Sixers, except two, where he shot 90, I'm not 90, 39.7%, I believe. Dynamic, ran the floor. Just give him more opportunities to shoot the three. Boom, we got it. Played with Scotty Brooks and some other guys. You know, I think he would totally thrive in today's era of the NBA. Can't tell me I'm wrong on that. No, I completely agree. Hersey would have been a yeah. great fit in this game. Yeah, Hersey would have been sick. I, you, I, I didn't know what your answer was going to be. And I love that one because that was the dude, you know, I grew up with that. That was the Sixers team with, with these jerseys, like with Charles Barkley with the black tights underneath the shorts and Rick Mahorn and Ron Anderson. Like that, that was like the Sixers team I, I grew up watching. And Hersey used to fill it up from the outside. But little, little did people know he also led the NCAA in score his senior year in college. So he, like, I think he averaged like close to 40 a game in college. Like he was like, like sick with, with the um, scoring in, in the NCAA. So um, that was a great comparison. Um, I, I, I'm fully backing that 100%. My guy uh, – well, I'll let you go, Paul, and I'll, I'll 
What you got? Well, I think you and I got the same guy, but my we do. I think we. My guy's Dana, guy. Dana Barrows. There we go. It's like there we, we talk go. about we talk about all the bad team, Sixers teams. I was forced to watch as a kid. The one glimmer of hope I had at one point was the very brief stint that Dana Barrows was here. And you look, he is technically still, I believe, the all-time leader in percentage for the Sixers in three-point percentage. So, yeah, I think this guy would have thrived. He would have been more of like a combo guy because he wasn't the tallest. Um, might have got, might have, you know, had his struggles defensively, but he was a dude who could do it all. He could, you know, uh, he could pull up. He could do it off the dribble. He could do it off screens. He could catch and shoot. He could do a little bit of everything. If you attacked him on a closeout, he would beat you, get you to the rim and score. So he was the kind of guy I think would have excelled in this in this current NBA where people were encouraged to shoot threes because not a lot of dudes back then guys who shot high volumes of threes they weren't there weren't a lot of them when you look at him you look at a guy like Mark Price look at like a guy like Abdul Ralph uh, formerly known as Chris Jackson from the Nuggets I mean those guys were launching threes and it just that didn't happen back then so yeah those kind of guys I think would have really thrived in this era where Guys are encouraged to shoot threes at a high level and at a high volume. Yeah, man, I remember him, and he played. You talking about bad Sixers teams? He he didn't get much much opportunity to to do anything. I think did he have an All Star year one year with the Sixers? Yes, he did. Yeah, he was so, an All Star, like, but he he didn't have an opportunity to even put any of those All Star magnificent performances like go anywhere with them. So it was oh, no. a criminal time um, for people for someone of his ilk with the Sixers, but. Um, I remember him, man, shooting fadeaway threes, uh, fast break threes. Like, like he, he was definitely ahead of his time, man. Um, uh, Hersey Hawkins, I think, was just a flat-out scorer, like, out of the gate, where Dana was an overachiever. So that always just, like, endeared himself to the – made you made you feel like he was one of, one of us and you could kind of envision yourself being Dana Barrows and you could go out in the blacktop and, you know, shoot like him or what have you. Um, yeah, and and you talk about defense, like you know, nowadays defense is secondary. Like if you can shoot and score, like it's like defense, like they'll figure it out. You know what I mean? So uh, Dana Barrows is a good one. Hershey Hawkins is a good one. Andrew Tony, another good one. Um, and I'm, good. I'm shocked that no one tried to cheat. I thought Danny was going to try to cheat and go like Kyle Korver. Nah, I, you want to do that? You know, you know where I was going to go? I was going to go Manute Bowl is what I was going to go. Manute, <laughs> stretching the floor. Throw your head back in laughter, Paul. Yeah. Manute Bowl, stretching the floor was where I was going to go. But I, I decided to fall back. But you had to kind of poke the bear. So there, take that. Manute Bowl, digest that. Enjoy that. Just, Chew that. Should have just, just kept that one to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Wilmington University extends its deepest appreciation to the brave individuals who are working tirelessly on the front lines to protect, serve, and care for us during this unprecedented time. Thank you. Wilm U stands with you. Joel's active practice facility, Mark Zumoff is at his home, and here is Joel and Mark. What do you miss the most about playing? Well, like I said, first of all, I want everybody to remain safe. Uh, I want to be safe. Um, this is nothing to play with. Um, you know, you don't know what can happen. Uh, but uh, when the time is right and and everything is safe and I can be on the court, I feel like what I'm going to be missing the most is just being out there, uh, you know, winning uh, for the city of Philadelphia. Uh, we're presenting the city of Philadelphia. 
um, and then just go on out and dominate. And I felt like before the season um, got shut down, I was on that path. I was, uh, I was, uh, especially after that All Star game, my mentality just completely changed. Uh, first part of the season, it was, uh, it wasn't up to my standard, not even close. Um, and then, but I was, I was, I was on that path to just, you know, change, change it all, and just go out and make it happen. Oh, man, um, I love Joel Embiid because of his openness and who he is and how he's related to the city. Um, just we needed it so much after going through the process to be able to connect with the team in that personal way. Um, turning it on after the All-Star break, though, hmm, I, it wasn't many more games left. I mean, we had talked so much on the podcast, specifically from an idea that Paul Hudrick brought up about this team not having that spurt yet. They didn't have that run of games where they rolled off 10, 12 wins in a row. Was that on the precipice of happening? I, I don't think so. I don't think they were quite at that point where they were about to run off 10 or 12 in a row. So Joel hitting his stride and, and being dominant because of how he played the All-Star game, which I had brought up previously, I forgot which guess it was, the fact that, you know, these – you know, pros, pros were going to him down the stretch and he was showing improvement. I mean, I could watch that fadeaway jumper he hit. Was it on LeBron or on a loop? Um, but I don't know. I got, for lack of a better term, I got to call a little BS there. I don't quite know if, if that was going to happen. Um, I, I want to believe it, but I don't quite feel comfortable saying, believe, saying yes. I, I don't know. Do y'all feel the same way? That's how I feel. How do y'all I mean, he did have two of his most dominant games of the season after the All-Star break. He put up, I think, 38 against Brooklyn, and then he put up 40. And I said a new career high of 49 against Atlanta. So, I mean, I think he, I think oh, maybe great. he was. Brooklyn and Atlanta. Sweet. Yeah, but yeah. He, he, you play who's on the schedule, Danny. Like, what, what do you – I mean, and then, and then he gets hurt. He got hurt against Cleveland. Then he missed a bunch of games with the shoulder. He comes back and he puts 30 on Detroit, and they win pretty easily in that one. But mm – -hmm. No, I, I do think that you could see a little bit his mentality changing and being a little bit more aggressive and then trying to dominate the game a little bit more. To your point, Danny, would that have led to them going on a run? I don't know because Ben Simmons was still hurt at that point, and I don't know when he would have come back, and I don't know how that would have played out over the last few games. Of this, over the last, I think it was 13 games or left. The Sixers did have a softer schedule than a lot of other teams around the league, so maybe Joel Embiid does just dominate the last 13 games goes into the playoffs on a high note. But I don't, they probably the would have said a few games. They wouldn't have played them all the way up to the end. No, they wouldn't have. But, but the bottom line is that's that's more of the point. Like, we'll, we'll never know. We won't, we won't know what happened. So now it's up to Joel and B. I mean, the bottom line is for me, after all this, if we get to watch basketball games again, for the Sixers, there are no excuses. Like, this is it. Like, you said you were built for the playoffs. All right, cool. Well, here are the playoffs. You're built for them to so go out and win. And same with Joel and B. There's no load management. You're going to play. You're going to play a lot. There are no excuses for this team. This, this is it. They have to go in, and they have to be the team that they talked about being all season long, from media day to Brett Brown's luncheon when he was saying how dominant they were going to be, to the defense, you know, the bully ball defense, smash mouth offense, all that stuff. That needs to come to fruition, and it needs to happen in a hurry when the playoffs start. Ben, my question to you. So much has been made since the season ended that Joel Embiid has to come in and shape, and he's got to be committed and, you know, all in and over the top and blah, 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 blah. 
Do you feel like Joel Embiid is in shape and ready to play with no issues through the postseason, no matter when it begins? You know, I haven't seen him. Have no idea what he's been doing. What is your gut telling you, Ben? My gut is telling me, more importantly, my head is telling me is some guys are going to just be out of playing shape. We all understand that. I don't expect LeBron to be in finals. I don't expect like I don't expect everyone to be at their best. LeBron is the best. last person I'm worried about. Oh, hold on. No, the I'm last just, person. I'm I'm saying I don't expect everyone to be the best of the best. It's gonna be some guys we watching and be like, yo, like, are they off or are they just not in shape? I think that question will happen a lot if and when the Have they been resumes. doing the at-home CrossFit so, workouts no, like you, Ben? Have they been at your level? Probably not. They, they probably didn't do 200 <laughs> burpees in a day. But I also don't have anything else to do with my life. Yes, I got work, but let's just be honest. What I am going to say is if, like, everyone just had, like, two months to rest, if Joel looks sluggy, if he looks tired, if he's winded, if they say they need to give Joel a breather and like oh, no. in crunch time, yo, oh, it's no. blood in the waters and the no. sharks are going to be out and it's not going to be good. Joel and Embiid is at home sick for shoot around. What? There, what? what? There's, <laughs> there's, there's no more excuses. The, the playoffs, if the season resumes, the playoffs are here. You said you were built for the playoffs. They're here. It's time to put up or shut up. I'm not saying I agree with Every media outlet, I'm not saying I agree with all the criticism the team gets. What I am telling you is if they go out there and lay a dud, it's blood in the water and the sharks are out. Um, it's funny, man. I just – all the conversations we've had and the people that we've talked to and the stories and everything else, my head just goes to the season – resuming where there's everybody's at the practice facility and they do, they start running laps and Allen Iverson would just be lapping everybody. Haven't done nothing during the whole quarantine, but eat like cheeseburgers. And he's just like in full shape, just like laughing everybody. But uh, if got, only that could be Joel Embiid. But. Allen Iverson was six feet tall, 165 right, right. pounds, not <laughs> right, seven right. foot, 280 to 300. Like it's, <laughs> I'm just some saying, of it's just, just, some of it's just a reality. Drink. You know what I mean though, Danny? Like yeah. I get it. And they're, they're, I think there are fair criticisms about him possibly not being in optimal shape, but at the same time, man, you're that big of a dude. It takes you longer to get in shape. There's no two ways about it. And couple that with the fact that he's still, you know, he's still got the knee tendonitis and stuff that he deals with. It's, it's just, it's going to take a lot for him to get in shape. That's just the reality. No matter what he does while he's sitting at home, even if he's in the gym every day working out now, like it's still going to take him a while to get in prime NBA playoff basketball shape. Just real quick, I know it's a little off topic, but when we say built for the playoffs, Al Horford and Joel, is that a duo you see playing together and thriving in this playoff defensive stalwart scenario? Like, How did you see them elevating for that playoff push defensively? Still say the Clippers game is the blueprint. The Clippers game is the blueprint. I think Al Horford comes off the bench, and I think you put another ball handler slash shooter out there, whether it's a guy like Shake Milton or, you know, if you want to go Furcon, I prefer Shake just because of his ability to run the pick and roll with Ben and the way he shot the ball before the season was suspended. So I would, I would say Al comes off the bench. You have him close the game with Joel for defensive purposes, and I think that 
that's what happened in that LA game is that you saw when they were on the court together, they closed it out together and they stymied new, uh, they stymied LA down the stretch. And that's what I would like to see because I don't love their offensive fit together. And on top of that, I don't love Al with Ben Simmons really because it's still a, a kind of clunky fit with the way they play. And that scenario, does Shake have to hit eight threes or, or no? That would be helpful. Oh, all right. Gotcha. <laughs> um, man, uh, we're trying to laugh through the pain a little bit here on the Sixers Talk podcast. Um, the Philadelphia city is in disarray. The nation is in disarray. Uh, George Floyd uh, and his death is killing uh, the racial injustice that is proliferating through our nation has come to a fever pitch. Um, uh, we're, we're battling through it. Uh, we're quarantined at home, but also, you know, our TVs are inundated with these scenes and images, our phones as well. And uh, it's been painful for a lot of us here, gut wrenching for a lot of us here. And we just want to say thank you for listening. We want to say we hope you're uh, enduring as peacefully and however you possibly can persevere through what's happening um, and, and come to some understanding at the same times of who's being affected, how they're being affected and how you can impact those being affected positively. Um, we just hope you're, you're spending this time trying to build and grow. I love you, Paul. I love you, Ben. Um, thanks for everything you guys have done for me during this time. And I hope I've helped you guys as well. I love you guys. It's been fun uh, working here and getting to know you guys. Appreciate you guys checking in. Uh, to anyone listening, um, just want to tell you guys whether, wherever you fall on all of it, listen to other people. Slow to speak, fast to listen. There is a house on fire. Address the house on fire. Don't address the smoke. Keep the main focus, the fire, and don't direct, deflect with the smoke. That's all I ask. Love you guys. Love the listeners. Hope we all come out bigger, be bigger better, and stronger on the other side. Ben, I think what you said was perfect, and that's kind of my message is, listen, I mean, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, and I will never fully understand what it is to be a, a black person in our, in our country. And as I've gotten older um, and I've been surrounded more by people in the black community, it's a matter of I need to listen and I need to understand, and I'm going to keep trying to listen and I'm going to keep trying to understand whether it's I'm standing behind you guys, by your side, in front of you, whatever it takes, uh, I want to help in any way I can. And I, you guys both know I got nothing but love for both of you, and I appreciate you guys so much. And, um, yeah, that's all I can say. Well put, both of you gentlemen. Uh, thank you um, for your input and your, you know, open-heartedness, man. Um, this has been Sixers Talk brought to you by Wilmington University. Uh, Wilmu works. We will see you next time. Thank you. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.